Welcome to the Inspiration to Grow podcast with me, Lisa Oberbichler, your host and personal growth strategist. This is the place to be to transform your thoughts and habits, tap into the superpower of mindset, and become the best version of yourself. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the Inspiration to Grow podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with a very special person, Joanne Dietrich Mugi, also known as the On Purpose Lady. But first of all, I'd like everyone listening to have a pen handy to jot down some notes. And if you're driving or anywhere else, maybe go back and revisit it. And for some of the exercises or an assignments that Joanne is going to give us, it would be a great idea to sit down with pen and paper in front of you. The focus of today's show is to reinforce the concepts that we have been talking about all along. Mindset, focus, change, commitment, self-care, and more. And also how important it is to take care of yourself, especially as we age. And you know what? It's never too late to start. As long as we're learning, we're growing and alive. So let me introduce my aunt, Joanne, who is a lifelong learner, an avid reader, a student of personal development. Her first career was an elementary school teacher, but after that, she turned to a life of entrepreneurship. She was the co-owner of the Kettle Creek Canvas Company franchise in Essex County and 28 years of experience in real estate sales. Fun fact, her business card was once featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show. She's been uh, studying the On Purpose Person program or a student thereof for 22 years and a facilitator of women's retreat weekends. She's also a licensed coach of On Purpose Study. A few feathers in her cap, she is the author of Postcards from a Rag Picker and co-author of My Legacy Journal. She enjoys speaking at events on topics such as reflecting, recalibrating, realigning, and redesigning. And she has walked her own personal Essex County COVID Camino Trek, 750.47 kilometers in 2020. We're going to expand a little bit on this later on. And she is in her 75th year of her wonderful life. She is a true poster child for, yes, older folks are still learning. And she's married to the love of her life, Richard, for 55 years now, a mother and a grandmother. Welcome to the show, Joanne. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. And you also go under the uh, name of the On Purpose Lady, which we're going to be talking a lot about today, right? That's right. Now, how did you become interested in the whole concept of purpose in the first place? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I was first introduced to this On Purpose Path back in 2001 by reading this little soft-covered book called The On Purpose Person. And the author 
of that book is Kevin McCarthy. Now, the, that title didn't really mean much to me, but, but was the subtitle that really caught my attention because it said, making your life make sense. And I remember thinking, oh, that would be really awesome if, if I could make sense of this life. I was uh, really at a crossroads. I was overworked, frazzled, and burnt out. I was considering leaving my 13-year career in real estate that I had worked so very hard to build. Uh, I was very much like the man in the storybook. I appeared very successful on the outside, but inside I was unraveling. So I read the book and I noticed there was a phone number in the back of it and I called it and the Kevin, uh, the author's uh, secretary said, oh, Kevin's having a retreat in Florida next month. And I said, super, I'll be there. I, I just knew it was something I had to pursue. And so I attended a three day workshop with him uh, in January of 2001. And the concepts that were presented to me uh, were the beginning of a new journey of clarity of purpose, uh, renewed vision and excitement for about my life and where it was going. It was like I had received a new set of glasses through which I saw my life and its potential. And I saw myself through the eyes of purpose. I felt really authentically significant for the first time in a very long time. So over the next few months, I reflected on this purpose and I gained new insight and meaning to my entire life my relationships and my career. Um, and gradually, gradually things began to change and I felt that I was becoming congruent with my spirit. My energy was restored and my life came back into balance with my highest values. And about six months after my time with Kevin, I made a decision that I was going to stay in that career with my new way of seeing things. And some very interesting things happened with this new focus. My production doubled over a three year period. And the best part was my stress level was cut in half. And I stayed working in that career for another 15 years. So needless to say, this increase in income was the catalyst for fulfilling our retirement nest egg and making it possible for me to retire in 2016. And uh, right from the beginning, I felt compelled to share this life-giving message um, with other people because I really felt it had saved my career and it had certainly uh, enhanced my life in so many ways. So uh, this is probably the most rewarding work that I've ever done. And um, I'm now at the age of 75, while well, coming up in April, enjoying a purposeful retirement where I get to spend time with my husband and my grandkids, and I do some coaching and facilitating as my time permits. So that's uh, how this whole thing started, and it stuck. That's amazing. Uh, it started by reading the book. Then you went yes. on to 
the retreat and then you applied uh, some of the concepts and it, you stayed in real estate, of course. And, uh, yeah. uh, but you said it really had um, an impact on, on just your way of seeing things, right? Oh yeah, so much. What was your biggest aha moment from your first time doing the on purpose program? Oh, it was, it was just clear as a bell by the time I had finished doing all the exercises was that the biggest area of my life that needed immediate um, assistance was my physical well-being. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I have a standing appointment with my mechanic for my car. And I would take the car in and I would say to him, Gary, check the thing over, make sure you do the oil change, make sure the tires are good because, you know, I don't want to get uh, stranded on the expressway some night and, you know, time is money and that's really important. So take care of it. I never asked him how much it cost or anything. And then the lights went on and I realized I hadn't been for a checkup with my family doctor in seven years. Oh yeah. And what an impact. I thought, how ridiculous. You can go out and replace a car any day. Anybody can get a car loan. <laughs> You only get one vehicle to drive you through this life. So wake up, woman. Um, you, if you're not, um, if you don't take care of yourself, you don't feel well, so you don't have energy, you're not as happy a person to be with. So from so many perspectives, that just made sense. So um, at the time, we were sort of in transition. We had sold the big family home because the children had moved out and we decided to lease a place for a year or so, so we could figure out what did we really want. So I looked at hubby and I said, hmm, it's time I took care of me, which means you're going on the same plan that I'm going on. And um, so I said to him, hubby, I go take some lessons on how to cook properly. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. I'm in. So I um, actually joined um, a club and, um, about healthy eating. And then I remember we went down to Sears and we invested in a treadmill. And we set it up down in the lower level uh, in his office because there was lots of room. And we set up a plan that every morning I had to be on there at 7.30 and he had to be on there right after me at 8.30. So you couldn't do anything else for the day until you had done that. And um, that just set the, the day for us and we began taking care of ourselves. Later on, we actually hired a, um, a trainer and a coach who specialized in, in uh, how to, to um, eat uh, for the, the most nutritious value for you as an older person. And then we joined the gym and um, we made up a plan. And so every day we had to be in the car at the gym by seven. And we did that for a number of years and uh, uh, was really, really helpful. But that was, that was huge that uh, you just realize that life can go on and you can be so very, very busy. But if your personal vehicle breaks down, you're in a lot of trouble. You know, that's a fantastic analogy, Joanne. Uh, you know, we, we do look after maintaining our vehicles because we need to get from A to B constantly, but yet 
we do fall short of looking after our own bodies at times. So that was your biggest aha moment. And, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it really turned around. And I think you, you are a very fit and active person. Uh, I see that all the time and yeah, kudos to you. That was, that was fantastic. But can you tell us a little bit more about the program now? Um, I know yes. it's been a big part of your life for uh, the last uh, several years. So yeah, let's, let's hear about the program. Okay. Well, it's, it's an odd program in that it's so ultra simple and yet it can have such a high impact. But basically what it does is it guides a person through answering what's called four of life's big questions. And the first one being, who am I? Like, what the heck am I doing here anyway in this journey of life? So that's the purpose part of it. And the next is, where am I going? What's my, what's my vision for my life? Like, where, what do I see? looking forward. So that's the vision part. And then next is, well, how do I get to that vision? Like, how do I get there? What are the actions I need to take in order that that vision would manifest itself sometime? And that's your missions in life. And it can, can change over time at different stages of your life. Purpose is more, um, it's, it's, um, it's more uh, stable. And vision, of course, can change as well. And then part four is, what is really most important to me? And that's what helps me make my choices. And that's the values part of it. So it's purpose, vision, missions, and values. So it had a different approach in that it showed us how to look at our lives as life accounts. And I don't know about you, but when I think of an account, the first thing I think of is a bank account. Mm -hmm. And it's either full or it's, it's hopefully not in the negative. But it had you take your life accounts and the, they can be anything you want. But the ones we started with were family finances, physical well-being, your social life, uh, vocation slash career, and then mental slash intellectual, like learning and growing. And the final one was spiritual, whatever that means to you. And then you could add another one to it if you wanted to, if there was some special project, let's say, for example, you were in the process of building a new home, or, um, well, that's, that's the best example I can think of, but the idea was to um, go through each of these life accounts, make choices in them, and to determine our clearest priorities for now at this point in my life, not forever, but for now. And then the final part, which I really loved was designing what would be called an ideal day to strive towards so that these priorities would actually get scheduled into our days. And I have always been a student of time management. 
I have a thing on it, on it. I have used every time management system going. Mm -hmm. But this one was really interesting because it taught me to have a clear idea of what was most important. And you don't just, if you say that your um, physical well-being is your highest priority at this point, that that's what needs the most attention, like it it's needs critical care. Well, if it isn't marked down anywhere, it's likely not going to happen. It'll just be another thing that you said you were going to do that didn't end up happening. So um, at the end, before we leave today, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment to get started on doing this for yourself. And I'll have a couple of other um, recommendations for you. Oh, okay. I can't wait. So everyone... Hold your hats. We will go through this assignment uh, at the end of the, I guess, the question period here. So, sure. so here's here's a big one here. What is purpose? Can you define it for us? And maybe we should also look at the flip side. What is it not? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, purpose is not. First of all, I'm going to start with what is it not. Purpose is not what you do. Purpose is almost like a state of being or an attitude with which you approach your life or a way of looking at one's life. So it's not the action part of it. It's the behind the scenes of why do I do what I do? And the nearest I can explain it, it's sort of like an internal energy or like electricity. We all have it. We all come with it. It's a sort of like a life force, if you will. But we sometimes have poor connections. And it doesn't flow as powerfully as it should. And what I found the on-purpose process helped me to do was it was like plugging something into that power source, like picture plugging in your blender or plugging in your toaster, it's plugged in, it's connected. And the minute you hit that switch, bam, the power is there. So it's allows us to create our own personal definition of success. And uh, success definition is certainly not a one size fits all. The, the idea here is that it's no accident that you got dropped on this planet when you did. And you're here for some reason because you are totally unique in the way you approach life, the gifts you have to offer to other people. And it's this process helps you uncover that whole part of life, which definitely gives you... Um, a focus, a clarity, and um, just power, power and passion in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So our purpose can be seen like internal energy, like, yeah, like internal energy, but uh, we really need to plug it in or plug into it more, I guess you could say, and yeah, yeah. Uh, 
yeah, and 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 see, see where it takes us, right? Mm-hmm. Like rev up the amps, if you will. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of what I, the way I was picturing it. Yeah, interesting. So um, I know that you have you've told me that you have restudied this program um, annually. And what benefits have you gained over the years by going through it year after year? Oh, go on, go on forever, but I'll try to be concise. (laughs) Um, First of all, every year I reread the book and um, I redo my list and I reevaluate where I'm at and where would I, where do I want to go? And the outcome has been uh, a higher level of productivity and effectiveness, definite focus and clarity, uh, less stress, uh, certainly better relationships. And um, uh, spirituality is important to me, and I feel much more connected to who I am as a from a spirit and when I say spirituality I don't mean religion I mean spirit that that spirit that you see in people that Mm -hmm. just makes them them Mm -hmm. and um, I feel more authentic and I've learned a lot about myself and where I need to adjust I'm going to call it adjust instead of improve Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah so it becomes very clear oh, you really need to get rid of that habit. That's not life-giving. Just take some action, make a plan, deal with that. Like this year I'm working on trying to to stop feeling that I need to critique every news broadcast that I see. Mm. (laughs) And I said to Richard, um, maybe it's just a, a thing that I feel I need to insert my opinion. And he said, hmm, he's very wise. He just said, hmm. Uh, but <laughs> some of those habits that you just pick up of being critical uh, or, um, and you just know that really doesn't serve any purpose. That's not really who I want to be. So once you take a clear look at yourself, then you can set a plan to try to remedy some of those things. And become more aligned, could we say, with who you want to show up as? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am very curious to find out more about the Essex County COVID Camino Walk that you completed in 2020. Can you tell us more about that? And I'm sure it was a learning experience. Maybe you could share some some of the things, some of the takeaways that you um, had from that. Okay, I will. Well, that all started in the early days of the pandemic, I came back from being out of town on the 13th of March of 2020. And um, on the way home, I said to Richard, go pick up supplies because I have a feeling we're gonna be in a lockdown situation. And uh, he picked me up at the train and I came home and sure enough, within a week we were in lock. So um, the first week or so, I dedicated myself to house cleaning and I cleaned every window in the house and I vacuumed every corner and I really went at it. And the next couple of weeks, I just cooked and baked and we ate and cooked and baked. And I'm thinking, 
okay, well, we'll get through this. But it was almost like you were embarrassed to go outside your house. And I was happy I had a dog because you didn't have, you were breaking all the rules, all the rules to go for a walk. True. Yeah. And um, so Easter came and it was early April that year. And um, I thought I was handling things quite nicely. And Easter Saturday, I looked at the window and this convertible car came down our street. And you will never guess the Easter bunny was driving the car (laughs) and he was driving down the street waving at everyone i ran out on the lawn and the neighbors were out on the lawn we hadn't seen the neighbors in a month and i ran in the house i said hey guys get out here you're not going to believe it the easter bunny's driving down our street and they came out and i looked at this and i burst into tears i thought oh my goodness Nothing is the same in our lives, but thank God the Easter Bunny showed up. So I realized that emotionally, this was really affecting me. I thought I was handling it pretty well, but I was really nervous. I was really concerned that with our large families, that with this thing that we didn't know what we were dealing with, that we would lose family members. And so... I said to him, I got to find some way to deal with this stress. I thought I was doing well, but apparently not. And he said to me, well, why don't you do something that you love? And I go, I love walking. And he said, well, why don't you walk? So I said, self, it's time to do your Camino. I had always wanted to do that Camino walk in Spain. But the thought of sleeping in a hostel with snoring people and smelly feet just didn't do it for me. So I had the idea years ago that I would do it from home. And so I made the commitment and I started on April the 11th that I was going to walk every day until I hit 750 kilometers. And I would do my own personal Camino. So I took my cell phone with me and every day when I left the house, I would say, look for the good, look for the beautiful. And I would photograph whatever I saw. And then when I'd come home, I would write a journal about it. And in order to keep myself accountable, I deliberately announced it on Facebook that this is what I was going to do. Therefore, I had my built-in accountability there that I was going to post something every day along with how far I had gone. And so um, that's what I did. And believe you me, it wasn't about how long the walk was going to be, but it was the, the goal was to get to the curb. And I knew that if I was dressed and it got to the curb, I would go somewhere. I might walk two kilometers, I might walk five, uh, but I, w- I was there. And it was a way of... Um, giving a commitment to myself and testing my integrity to keep the promise that I made to myself. So I started in April 11th and would you believe the next week it snowed and then it sleeted. And then we had a lot of rain and we had a lot of wind. And this walk went on for 140 days. The longest walk that I did was 11.57 kilometers. And I believe that was somewhere around 
the middle of July or early July, because I remember it was a hot day. And within a few days, I developed such terrible plantar fasciation that I just couldn't walk anymore. So I had to figure out a way to complete this. So I got out my bike and tuned that up and uh, I started biking. And then in order to make it fair, I realized that you can ride a lot further than you walk. So I only allowed myself to count half the kilometers that I rode towards my goal. And, uh, and then we fit in some kayak paddling as well. And we did 3.68 kilometers of that. And um, so really we walked through a lot of different weather, but um, the fun part was that um, it was so, so hot in the summer. So my son and I would get up at six o'clock and we would ride before the heat of the day. But of course, as it went into the month of August, uh, it gets dark, doesn't get bright in the morning, it gets dark earlier. So there we were riding at 6 a.m. in the morning with the headlights on our bikes. And he came with me because it was often, you know, foggy and I was out riding and I thought it wasn't really safe by myself if I took a fall or something. So we rode through the, the fog and the haze of the, the August mornings and saw some incredible sunrises and so on. It was just so, so fabulous. And um, when it was done, I had t-shirts made with all my stats on the back, just to remind myself. And um, one of the things I put on was the scariest moment and that happened on August 26th. It was a day that it was raining and I wanted to fit in a bike ride. So I waited for a break in the action and I got on my bike and away I went. And I was just about a couple blocks from home and I was riding on this pathway and I came to this intersection and the traffic was all stopped. And um, I was quite sure I made eye contact with the driver of the SUV and I thought she saw me and so on. But so I proceeded through uh, the intersection and I could tell when I was about halfway through, oh my goodness, she's going to pull forward to pull out into the traffic. She's going to hit me. So I quickly accelerated and managed to dance myself up onto the sidewalk. And um, by this time I was fairly fit that I could do that without falling. Well, of course she saw what had happened and she was having a fit because she thought she had run me down. And are you okay? Are you okay? And I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was just thinking, I said to her, well, I have to finish my Camino. You know, I'm just about <laughs> finished my Camino. And and she's thinking, is this woman deranged? But I, I explained to her, like, I'm, I'm within goal. Anyway, she was very, very gracious. She drove me home. And the gentleman in the car behind that had witnessed all this uh, volunteered to put my bike in the back of his car. And he drove it home. And when we got home, she wanted to be assured that I was okay. And she peeled off money to pay for the initial repair of the bike and whatever else you need here's my phone number call me and so on and so we quickly called the velofix fellow with the mobile bike repair and he came over that night put a new tire on and got everything straightened out continue on my journey oh amazing oh my goodness (laughs) yeah it was really something else and so you know when you're out there I was dressed in red. I thought I was bright and visible. 
but you know, I guess the lesson there is be super careful and, uh, and so on. But the whole experience, as I said, went on from April 11th to September 11th. So five months, five months. Yeah. Yeah. 21 weeks, 140 days. Mm. And uh, what did I learn? Hmm. All kinds of things. One was that if you can get started, you'll probably finish. So that was the idea of get to the curb every morning. And the other was this concept of building mental muscles and follow through. Like I made a promise to me and it was about keeping the commitment to me and building integrity. And in other words, the ability to give myself a command and actually follow it, whether I felt like it or not. And um, as you mentioned in one of your previous podcasts, this thing about being accountable to ourselves, when we can trust ourselves to do what we say we're going to do, it builds self-confidence and it builds self-esteem. And it really, it really does. And, um, and then, uh, of course, we had a party when it was over. We had a celebration party and uh, invited the folks. Well, it was a party, an outdoor party, socially distanced. Everyone brought their own lawn chair. And we had a party to celebrate the people that had walked with me and rode with me and had cheered me on. And so it was kind of a community thing. And um, it was something I'd wanted to do for a very long time. The other lesson I learned was how good exercise is to deal with stress. And um, that was a stressful time because we couldn't go where we wanted to go. We couldn't visit with the people we wanted to visit with. And so it was kind of socially isolating, mm -hmm. um, more so for some than us, I'm sure, because we have three of us who live in this household. So we were but anyway, that was the that was the Camino story. Uh, that's an amazing challenge. And I think you described it so well, as well as the uh, things that you learned from it and uh, the whole self-confident piece, uh, the integrity, uh, doing what you say you're going to do. Um, I think that's amazing. And, and I just feel more people should set challenges like that for themselves now it doesn't have to be of that magnitude no but no. uh you mentioned the self-confidence piece too and i i just think even a small challenge every day setting yourself a small challenge and just being in integrity with yourself and completing it that or i i should say those are the small building blocks that uh we can used to increase our self-confidence right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and mental yeah. toughness too right right uh, so um are there any specific concepts uh that you would like to share with the listeners yes i would um the one is you talk so much about mindset and when i think of mindset i think of something called a, a window of my beliefs, meaning that how my, the things I hold as my beliefs are how I see the world. And um, with the, the purpose work, it's really helped me to have new vision or new glasses in which to see life. And um, also I would highly recommend to people that um, they, 
check out this um, woman by the name of Melissa Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. As you know, Lisa, this past year for for our family has been very challenging uh, with the loss of a family member. And um, during the fall, I was looking for things to um, help me through this journey. And I came across this woman and she has written a couple of books, but she did a online workshop that was available to the public. And it was called The Nutritional Value of Thoughts. Now, I figured you would really connect with that Mm -hmm. because you're about nutrition, movement, but it was about the nutritional value of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And she actually had demonstrated this chart of the various um, thoughts and feelings that we have, and they're charted and they're rated with an energy level to them. And I thought, wow, yeah, so you actually, you get to choose, you know, what you're going to feed your body with, and you get to choose what kind of movement or exercise you want to do. But how about becoming really conscious of choosing the thoughts that we allowed to linger in our heads and that we choose the ones that are most nutritionally valuable for us? It was fascinating. And there's a couple of books um, on that topic as well written by Dr. Hawkins. Uh, and the name of the book, I believe, is A Scale of Consciousness. If you look up Dr. Hawkins and State of Consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it, it was fascinating. Um, I guess the other thing is about this concept of values. You know, someone will say, well, what's really important to you? And you go, well, it's really important to me to spend time with my family and to exercise and this and this. But along the way, I had a mentor one time who said to me, you tell me what you say you value and what's important to you. Show me your day timer. Where is it in there? And show me your bank account where your expenses are noted. And that's what's really important to you. And I go, oh, that's a bit of a reality check. For sure. And I often used to say to my granddaughter, you're really important to me. You want to see my book? This says we're going walking at two o'clock when you're done school. You're in my book. The only people in my book are people that are really important to me. And I used to try and reinforce that. And it was a real reality check for me that the things I said were important um, often were sort of things I liked, but they weren't core things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there were core things of importance that hadn't found their way into my agenda. And that caused, you know, a a reevaluation of things. Yeah. It, yeah, it boils down to the priorities we set for ourselves, but you're saying, they need to be front and center in writing and something that you can refer to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one for me was this difference between spending and investing. 
And that's how I look at my time now. I, am I spending time or am I investing it? And if you look at those two concepts, when you say the word investing, we assume that if we invest, we're going to get a return on our investment. Whereas when you spend something, it's gone. Now, we look at investing. I look at investing in time with my partner as an investment in our relationship. I look at time with my grandchildren as an investment in my relationship with them. When I take a program or a course, I say that's an investment in my mindset. Uh, taking care of myself or setting aside a routine to do my stretching and so on, that's an investment in my physical well-being. And so I often look at it and say, is this worthy of my time? Is this, is this an investment that's going to pay dividends or am I just spending it? Because we only each get 24 hours in a day, but the choice is ours. What do we do with it? Nobody gets more than 24, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. And then um, over the course of time, I guess the other concept that really hit me is that I saw, a, I worked with a lot of people over the course of my real estate work and also with working with people with on purpose, you hear about their lives and so on. And I realized that as women, um, we've really been kind of sold or conditioned to think that we're pretty heroic if we can multitask and we can juggle at least 10 things at a time. Mm -hmm. And we've been kind of fooled into thinking that we can do it all that uh, sky's the limit, you know, but the fact is we, we can do it all. We're capable of doing it all, but just not all at the same time. Mm -hmm. That, um, as I said previously, I studied every time management system that was out there. And what I see in hindsight was that what I did was I just added more and more and more to my 24 hours trying to pack in more than was humanly possible and then wondered why I was stressed all the time. And it was clearly because we said we were managing time. Nobody manages time. The clock turns on its own. We manage activities. We manage our priorities. But first we have to get real clear about what those priorities are. Mm -hmm. And then we can, can make our selections and so I developed the thought that we don't prioritize our schedules. That's what old time management taught you to do was to list your five things for the day and say, what's number one, two to five. But there's nothing, maybe those things we were doing weren't even our priorities. So what we need to do is to think in a different way to schedule our priorities first. And then we will we will get done what's really important. We'll have a level of satisfaction at the end of the day. And um, by the way, during the course of studying this over the years, I noticed that I, I uncommitted myself from more activities than what I took on as new. I accepted the fact that I had a very busy career and that the only things that were important were my work that I needed to do, my relationship with my husband, 
my family time with my children and a lot of social things that I had been cramming them in thinking, oh, this is really important. You got to do that. You got to do that. I let them go. And I just said, for now, do what you can do and do it well. And I was much happier. And then as my life lightened up a bit, then I was able to add some of those social things back in. But uh, instead of trying to burn the candle at both ends. And I guess to really sum it up, I think what we're all looking for is that we want to feel that we matter and that we do make a difference in this world. And I have a question for you is, who were you before the world told you who you're supposed to be? I think and everyone, I say, yeah, I think everyone should take a moment and think about that. Who were you before the world told you who you were supposed to be? Right? Yeah. And I would say, spend the time, invest the time to find the unique you, and then go make that your unique impact. That's wonderful. That's just such a, a powerful message, Joanne. And um, what uh, further action steps or should we should we do the assignment now that you mentioned before? Well, I, I gave that some consideration and I don't want that to be something that people rush through. So if you've got your pen and paper, I'm going to give you some um, an assignment and it may take you a week or more to do it if you do it thoughtfully. Uh, first and foremost, if this uh, intrigues you and you think it's something that could enhance your life, I would suggest that you order the book. It's a little soft covered book. It's available on Amazon. I don't know if it's at the bookstores uh, now, but you can order it online. It's uh, I think $20 Canadian and um, read the book with a highlighter. Or if you're the type of person who can't bring yourself to mark up a book, then make notes of what grabs your attention. I have read that book at least 20 times and every time something else pops out at me. It's so simple. It looks like a little nothing story. Uh, and I previously, I had read it three years prior to my awakening. <laughs> Um, and I thought, oh, that's a cute little book. And then when I was really frustrated enough and I read it, I go, oh, my goodness, that's me. So I would suggest to you, you get the book, highlight the things that pop out at you. If you're really, really wondering, what's this purpose thing about? And I'll give you a little clue. My purpose statement is two words. Very concise, very short, and very memorable. And if you would like to give a stab at getting your, making your own on-purpose statement, your, your two words, you can find the, the instructions in the book, or there's a little website called onpurpose.me. And the owner of the, the material created a tournament process that you can do in a less than five minutes 
there's a modest fee that he charges for it. So it's not, not free, but if you're fascinated on purpose.me. And then um, the next thing that you can do is get yourself uh, eight pages of blank lined paper. And at the top of each page, one will be family, one will be physical well-being, one will be social, one will be mental or intellectual, having to do with learning, one will be your career or your vocation or your state in life right now. Like for me, I would put retirement. Um, and the other one would be spiritual. And if you want to have another account, um, oh, I'm sorry, there's one missing there, an important one. There's financial. Yeah, there are only fin six listed here. That's right, fin financial. financial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And um, so that's seven. And then if you have a special project on the go, uh, you would make that the, the title of the eighth page. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to number one to 16 on each page. And set yourself down where it's quiet, no distractions, and use what's called the hot pen method. And under each life account, write down everything, your wild and craziest of anything you would like to do, have, or be, if money and time were not, not a concern. So Just what would you do, have, or be? What would you like to yeah. do, have, or be if money was not a concern? And time was not a concern. Money and time were not a concern. So try to try to list up to 16 yeah. items under each of those headings, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most people look at that and they go, oh my goodness, I couldn't possibly have that many. We call these our want lists of what we would want mm -hmm. if, you know, life was magical, which it is. And just carry those sheets around with you for the next few days. Doesn't matter which column you put them in. Because you might say, well, there's this dream vacation I always wanted to take. So where do I put that? Do I put it under financial because I need the money to do it? Or do I put it under family or do I put it under social? Which one is it? Um, it doesn't matter because the way the way this will be processed afterwards, after you've got your you've worked on your list. Um, we'll do a tournament process on it and the tournament is a way of just going through each of these and deciding what's the top priority in each one of those life accounts. Now that is explained very clearly in the book or you also can feel free to contact me and Lisa's going to give you my, you can contact me through my Facebook page or she's gonna give you my email um, address and feel free and I'll, I'll give you some clues on how to carry through with that. And if you need me to um, email you a, another little um, layout for how to do this tournament of choices, I'm going to call it. But it's too important to try to do this in 10 minutes. Right, yeah, of course. Um, so 
that was a bit of a challenge that Joanne gave us, right? The uh, eight pages, uh, well, I'll list the seven headings, family, physical, social, mental, career, spiritual, and finances, right? Yes. Um, if money and time were no object whatsoever, um, what would you like to do, have, or be under those? And uh, Joanne's Facebook page is, I think it's under Joanne Mugi, the On Purpose Lady. Is that correct, Joanne? Yes, and there's a hyphen between On and Purpose. On hyphen Purpose Lady. Yeah. And um, Joanne made an, a tremendous offer of uh, helping you out, giving you guidance. If any of you wanted to know more on this, I just wanted to mention the book reference. You said uh, you would recommend that everyone read the book if they wanted to dive deeper into this whole concept of purpose. The book's title is The On Purpose Person, Making Your Life Make Sense. Is that correct, Joanne? That's a subtitle, and the author is Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. All right. So I will in I, I will add all of these things in the show notes uh, for okay. you, uh, listeners who want to kind of follow up with them, have a look at them. Uh, Joanne will give me all of the references that she uh, mentioned today. There were several of them, actually. Uh, another good book tip. Uh, her name was Melissa Lyons, and so we'll we'll link all of that in the show notes. Uh, Joanne, this has been um, above and beyond inspirational. And I would just like to thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. And well, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're so welcome. I am just honored to be part of your journey and um, of the valuable um, resources that you're making available to your listeners. I really applaud you and I admire you greatly. And thank you so much for allowing me to kind of, um, I'm edging my way back into life. Um, and um, I'm really appreciative that you allowed me to share something that is, I just am so passionate about. So thank you, Lisa. Well, you know, it really shows through. And I, I think your whole message today just fits into the theme of this podcast so well. And I, uh, I can say I'm quite honored to have my, my aunt, my Aunt Joanne here. And uh, uh, she spoke um, and gave us lots of, yeah, just things that we can tap into, we can consider. Uh, she gave us enough references that we can kind of dive into it a little bit deeper if we wanted to but I think the whole concept of purpose and that we are unique and we have gifts to offer and we should be sharing them with the world I, I just think that's a, a very important uh, topic for everyone so I'm going to wrap it up today uh, and you know what in case you haven't heard it yet today friends let me be the first to tell you you're beautiful, incredible, and you are unique. Never forget that I believe in you 100% and I want you to go out there and show the world what you are truly made of. Thanks for tuning in today. And on behalf of Joanne and myself, we hope to have inspired you to grow with today's message. Till next time. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to today's talk. 
Check out today's show notes for ways to connect with me. And for additional weekly mindset hacks and tangible action steps, click the link in the show notes to reach my website, Inspiration to Grow. That's with the digit two. One more thing, if you enjoyed this podcast, tag me and share it in your Instagram or Facebook stories, or simply share it with a friend who might need a pep talk today. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast site, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music Podcast, and this way you'll never miss an episode. If you like paying it forward, please consider leaving a review. You'd help my podcast get prioritized and shared with other people who may need this message. I appreciate you and encourage you to make every day count.